0: and welcome to Spellbound episode four. We're going to be talking about moving on from simple text and picture books to children's very first chapter books and we welcome back to the studio Jane Carter, senior primary lecturer at the University of the West of England in Bristol. Hi Jane. Hello. So Jane, tell us what this stage is like for children
1: and what's important to look out for? Well, it's such an important stage when your child is ready to move on from books that they've been reading that have been scheme books in school, where they've been graded up until now. And now they're at the stage where they get their own choice and that stage where they're moving on to longer books that they can choose And so it's really important that as a parent or a carer, you've got a few suggestions up your sleeve. It's also worth remembering, as I found to my cost, really, that the books that you enjoyed when you were a child at that same stage doesn't mean your own children will enjoy them. So I particularly love The Owl Who Was Afraid of the Dark by uh, Jill Tomlinson. But my children really didn't like it. However, having taught lots of classes of children, I also know lots of children that do. So it's really thinking about uh, children's choice, children's control over what they read next. And do they generally do that by choosing books from the school library or, or is it a good thing to take them to the library themselves and get them to choose with you? I would certainly say, use your local library. Uh, if we don't use them, we'll lose them. Yeah, um, And they have such a wealth of, and breadth of children's books and skilled librarians who can guide you and your child to the sorts of books that they might particularly enjoy. Tell us about the importance of reading for pleasure at this stage. There's been a huge amount of research recently about reading for pleasure, uh, particularly by someone called uh, Teresa Kremin, And she's identified that agency, so a child's choice, a child's control over what they read is vital in terms of their reading for pleasure. And it's only really when a child chooses what they want to read that they are truly reading for pleasure. I think it's worth noting here a book written by someone called Daniel Pennack. It's not a children's book, um, but a great read for an adult. And it's called The Rights of the Reader. And it finishes with this 10-point manifesto. And you can download it as a poster. Great for your child's wall, actually. And it basically sets out the sort of 10 things that you can do as a reader that you have choice and control over. So things like, I have the right not to read this book. I've got the right not to finish it. I've got the right to skip a few pages. And it's always nice to ask your child what would their right be. And certainly I know what mine is, and some people really frown at this, but my right as a reader is to get halfway through feel panicked about a character and think, oh my goodness, something awful is going to happen to them. And I read the last few pages. No, you're one of those people. I'm one of those few people. And then I read it backwards from that point onwards until (laughs) I'm back to the point where I was worried. That sounds Um, so confusing. And I've certainly ruined uh, a few few good books that way. It's interesting. I think my right now that you've
0: brought it up is probably to struggle through two or three chapters and
1: then not finish the rest of the book if i'm not enjoying it absolutely and that's something to remember for children uh, that sometimes we imagine particularly if we have bought them a book that they must finish it but actually we all know that there are books that we don't particularly enjoy we don't get on with and it's the same for your child we'll put the links to all of
0: those titles that james mentioned on the spellbound website So tell us about some of your
1: favourite books that children can read at the chapter book stage. I would say one of my favourite books is actually a book that's in in a series and they're the Claude books. Oh, love them. I absolutely adore them by Alex T. Smith. And Claude is just an amazing dog who has lots and lots of adventures with his friend Sir Bobby Sock, um, who is a Sock, of course. Um, And the series, it was shortlisted for the Waterstones Award It was selected for the Richard and Judy's Children's Book Club. It's just such a lovely series of books. Uh, There's plenty of pictures on the page, so that helps your child make that transition from perhaps a shorter, more uh, reading scheme style book. And the illustrations are wonderful, they guide the child as they go along. The print isn't too big, it's not too small, they're quirky, they're funny. And certainly, if your child likes the first one they read, there are now ten more. I thought there were only nine more, but she's just released. He's just released a a Christmas book about Claude. Claude oh. at the circus. This is a Claude. He wears a beret. I like the way it's written and the pictures. The probably sock. the sock is alive. I like it when he solves problems and um gets blasted off with a cannon in. In the circus,
0: we have been reading those recently, and the humour is just fantastic. We we're always laughing together at bedtime, and I think the the illustrations are just so
1: bright and colourful, and it's just a really happy read. Yes, absolutely. You you really feel for Claude, and and he's written another one, uh, Alex T. Smith. He writes the Mister Penguin books, and they're they're a very similar style. They're a bit chunkier than the Claude books, and it really is that first chapter book for your child. It feels like they're reading a grown-up book, I think, particularly if you get them the hardback. But it's got the same sort of wonderful illustrations and quirky humour. And Mr Penguin is an adventurer, and one reviewer described him rather like a cross between Indiana Jones and Hercule Poirot. (laughs) Um, He also has a sidekick called Colin the spider who because he's a spider he doesn't speak he just writes notes and all those books all those little notes are are in the book as well showing how he communicates the chapters are a manageable length so some are actually just a couple of pages so when your child um, is at that stage where they want to read before they go to bed a couple of pages potentially enough for some children and they go up to about eight pages long they're going to be next on our list I'm sure penguin and the lost treasure it's funny because he's a penguin and his friend is a talking spider that can do karate kicks this is mr penguin
0: you mentioned earlier on the importance of child's choice in developing their confidence when they start to read longer books what else can we do to help
1: support that confidence I think another thing that you can do is to continue to read aloud to your child. And often it's the book they are going to choose to read themselves. So it might be that your child has chosen a chapter book you think oh I wonder how if this is a little bit difficult for them but if you read that book aloud to them as a bedtime story it means that when they come to read it themselves they've already got a bit of an idea about the sorts of words how the story's going to go what the character's like what the story sounds like when read aloud And then that makes their own independent reading of the book so much more engaging and enjoyable. So snuggling up with them at any given time of the day is still really important at this age? I'd say absolutely do not stop reading aloud to your child. There's so much evidence that has an impact on your child's future reading and their well-being. And I've got a real soft spot for those kind of read aloud stories for children in that age range. Um, One of my favourites is a book called Me and Mr P by Maria Farrar. It's just a fabulous book to read aloud for children aged about six to eight. It's the story of a little boy called Arthur, who's really fed up with his brother. And his (laughs) brother, who's called Liam, he's a bit different from other children. He's got particular special needs and he finds all sorts of different things difficult. And that means that Liam has all the attention and poor old Arthur doesn't really have very much. And Mr P, the polar bear, gently over time helps Arthur understand his brother and he brings the family together and Mr P does it by just being himself. He is this huge, he's clumsy and he's such a funny polar bear. I laughed out loud reading it to myself when I got to the bit about Mr P squeezing himself into the school bus. It's just such a lovely read. I think we'll
0: be sticking that on the list as always it will be on the Spellbound website. One of the things that's really important for us as a family at this stage seems to be the humour element. Is that important at this stage?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and not only that, it would appear that when you look at children's book lists of their favourite books, funny books are always near the top of that list. And therefore, there's quite a lot on the market to choose from. I must say, when I'm trying to choose a book for a child that's funny, I find it quite tricky because my humour and their humour is quite different at uh, the ages of six and seven. So Jeremy Strong, for example, he's written hundreds of books that children absolutely adore. But to me, they're really not funny. I don't know. We we used
0: to bring Jeremy Strong to Bristol years ago and I have seen him in action and the children in a huge hall are all rolling around with laughter. There's one particular book I remember called The 100 Mile an Hour Dog. And they think it is just the funniest thing ever.
1: Yeah. And I just think it's that's really important. That bit about choice is it might not be your choice of humour, but it is quite possibly your child's choice of humour. One good place to help you think about what children might find funny is the uh, Laugh Out Loud Awards, or the Lollies, as they're known. And it's a great place to find kind of high-quality, funny books for children in that kind of six to eight category. They also have a category for picture books and an older category, nine to 13 years as well. How long have they been going? A number of years now. It's a relatively new award, but there's um, there's a good kind of back catalogue that you can look through. Uh, so, for example, last year, the six to eight winner was The Big Fat Totally Bonkers Diary of a Pig by <laughs> Emma Stamp. Um, and one of the lead judges is uh, Michael Rosen. And we all love Michael Rosen. So if your child is starting to read independently and likes a funny book but doesn't actually want a chunk to read, then it's also good to try and introduce some poetry books. And Michael Rosen poetry books We'll do both that job, get them reading, but also get them laughing. I always used to read Quick Let's Get Out of Here, his collection of poems to my Year 3 class when I was teaching, and they would literally roll on the floor with laughter. He's written so much. He certainly has. Worth looking at his webpage, because all his books and his poems and stories are there for you uh, to get an overview of. Don't forget, we'll put all those links on the Spellbound website. One of the other things that children of that age are particularly keen on is books about animals um, and certainly, you know, books about pets that might be their own or they could imagine are their own. And uh, Dickens Smith, who sadly died a few years ago, has written so many books about animals and many of his books are those shorter chapter books that are ideal for this, that six, seven, eight-year-old range. So The Heg is a great one. And I think people know The Sheep Pig because they know the film Babe, Uh, The Queen's Nose, The Invisible Dog, Dinosaur Trouble, Martin's Mouse. There's lots of them.
0: What can we do if we have reluctant readers? How can we best support them at this stage?
1: One of the best things to do, I think, is to find a, a publisher that publishes books that have been specifically chosen for children, either who are having difficulties with reading, perhaps on the dyslexic spectrum, or they're reluctant readers. And one of those publishers would be Barrington Stoke. They're well worth looking at because what they do is they commission really great authors to write books for them. So the wonderful Anne Fine, for example, who wrote Bill's New Frock and The Flower Babies. um, She's just recently written a book for them, Into the Bin and Out Again. Really gentle book about a class who finds someone's rubbish is another person's gift. Another such publisher that would be suitable for, for a child who is more reluctant would be Corgi Pups. And again, they have great authors. So authors like Mallory Blackman, who writes short and engaging chapter books for the young reader. So her book, The Monster Crisp Guzzler, is in that series, as is The Great Hit by Bob Childs. He writes lots of books about uh, football. So sometimes your reluctant readers are those that would rather be outside doing something more active, So finding books that include their favourite sport or hobby is another good way in for children. So worth looking out for Bob Childs. He writes lots of books, both for younger and older children, where football is that backdrop. I'm really glad you mentioned that because I actually often get asked for
0: books around specific sports. So it's good to have that one on the list. I hadn't read that one before. Moving on, my sons really needed pictures when they first started reading those early chapter books. How important are illustrations in these?
1: Illustrations can be a really great motivator for some children. And it also provides that additional prop, that additional support when children are reading the words. So finding a book uh, like one such as Pugs of the Frozen North by Philip Reeve, Those books are amazingly illustrated by Sarah McIntyre, who's quite a character if you ever should meet her. (laughs) And they just provide that additional support for the child as they're reading. And with those books, the additional element of humour. So Pugs of the Frozen North, Oliver and the Sea Wigs, and would you believe a book called Cakes in Space, are just three of their books that they've written and illustrated together.
0: We absolutely adore all of the books by Philip Reeve and Sarah McIntyre. The Legend of Kevin, I think my youngest son has read that about five times. And I often find him drawing pictures of Kevin and cutting out pictures of Kevin and there's something about it that just grabs their imagination
1: yes yes and and if you get children who who like illustrations it's another way of of getting them into writing their own books that they can read this is kevin's great escape there's a roly-poly flying pony named kevin and he's very fat
0: The way that they, the humour that's included in the illustrations, the way they put
1: sort of little jokes in the corner of pages. They're just wonderful, wonderful books. And if you like that, then you'll absolutely love the series by Andy Stanton, Mr. Gum. Uh, There are so many Mr. Gum books. Again, it's another one of those books that I don't quite get. It doesn't quite make me laugh. (laughs) But it certainly is a book that children absolutely love. If they do actually enjoy that, then there are hundreds of them. So it's a, it's a good start to get them uh, off on that journey. So a lot of children
0: at this stage like to read books that are non-fiction. Have you got any
1: recommendations around those? There's been a real renaissance, I think, in terms of uh, non-fiction writing uh, information books and, uh, you know, with titles like Why is Snot Green? Oh, that's brilliant. Uh, and the Maps books, you can kind of see why. So the book like Why is Snot Green, it's lots of small facts and snippets of information. So for the child that struggles with their reading stamina, books like that are superb. And the book Maps is just a feast in terms of browsing over it looking at the illustrations and drawing on the information that's kind of spread across the whole book in all sorts of interesting and quirky ways so if you've got a child who particularly is interested in non-fiction books then it's probably worth looking at a, a website like books for topics and this website lists all sorts of different interesting topics that your child might be interested in like space for example and then it gives you a whole long list of books that your child might enjoy from fiction to non-fiction books including books like uh, you know how to be an astronaut and other space jobs uh, great for the child that likes uh, the non-fiction book about space We have had Why is Snot Green hanging
0: around our house for years, and it still comes out. Every time I sort of say, where did you learn that? It will be from that book. There's a lot of information packed into it. So we talked about the importance of reading aloud to our children. Tell me a bit more about this.
1: Well, I think one of the things that you need to think about when reading aloud to your child at this stage is that there are all sorts of books out there that they would like to be able to read independently but don't yet have the skills or the stamina to do so. So it's thinking about choosing books like that for your child, alongside your child. So that will give them access to a wider vocabulary, it gives them access to more complex ideas and themes for you to chat and talk about. And it's also a great motivator for them in their own development as a reader. So they can't read it now, but they might be able to read it later. And of course, there are all sorts of great books that you could read aloud in that kind of theme. So the Children's Laureate, Cressida Cowell, How to Fight, A Dragon's Fury is a good one, as is The Time Travelling with a Hamster by Ros Welford, A Goth Girl and the Fate Worse Than Death by Chris Waddell. and one of my favourites, Journey to the River Sea by Eva Ibbotson. And what's so beautiful about that book? I just love the way the characters are drawn in that book. I love the fact that it's set in the Amazon. And I love the way that the plot and the adventure just kind of races on through the book right to the very end. There's so
0: many titles that we haven't yet read. And I think that's part of the reason why we do this podcast. Sometimes we need a bit of a helping hand one of the things I've really noticed when we read aloud is it kind of gives the children time to relax and to actually listen when they're reading their own books a lot of the time they're trying to decipher the words and sometimes it's hard for them to get the story and I think when we read those slightly more complex stories it allows them to be lost in their own imagination and and to really listen
1: yes certainly
0: how important is it to develop those listening skills
1: Well I suppose it is listening skills but it's more than that. It is just as you said that it enables them to kind of escape into their own imagination and I think that's one of the great pleasures of reading and every time you read a book like that aloud to a child you're showing them, you're opening the door into that amazing world of books.
0: Jane, any final tips on supporting children moving on to these early chapter books before we go?
1: Only that it is a particularly crunch moment. It is often the time when your child might stop reading because the support, the structure that they've had from school is no longer there. They're a free reader. Um, and therefore, it's, it's important that you spend time with your child, finding out what they enjoy, thinking about the types of books that they like, choosing books together so that you get them over that stage of moving from support to independence. Jane, it's always
0: a pleasure to chat to you about children's books. Thank you so much for joining us. It's a pleasure. So I'm sat here on a stormy Tuesday in the studio of Joe Berger, who's an illustrator and writer for children's books. Hi, Jo. Hi, Melissa. Joe, for those people that haven't heard of you before, tell us a bit about who you are and what you do.
2: Sure. I write and illustrate children's books. I do lots of freelance illustration and animation as well as that. And I also, with a mate of mine, do a weekly cartoon in the Guardian newspaper under the name Burge and Wise.
0: How did you get into illustrating and writing children's
1: books?
2: I've been a freelance illustrator for, I think, coming up to sort of 30 years. And in the early days, I did a lot of editorial illustration. Children's books were a sort of dream of mine and a passion. I loved reading them as a kid. And when work was slow, I would work on my own ideas for children's books. As soon as the phone rang, as soon as I got busy with the commission, I would stick that stuff in a drawer and forget about it. Around about 35, I started to think, if I don't start showing these ideas to people, I'll get too precious about them and I won't ever realise this ambition. And then I had a very lucky break. Some of my drawings were noticed by the then managing director of Puffin.
0: So we're talking specifically in this episode about the very first chapter books for children who are just moving on from picture books. How do you approach writing and drawing a book for a child in this age group? How do you decide what themes and content to cover?
2: I think as a writer... It's quite difficult if you start from that perspective, oh, well, I've got to write about this stuff. And my approach certainly isn't that organised. One of the main things is to look at other books that have been published and that are very successful and try and give yourself a sort of steer in, in that direction. It's a difficult one because actually you want to produce something authentic to your own experience, But you do have to have an eye on what the market wants, particularly teachers and librarians who have a lot of influence over what children end up picking up.
0: So tell us about some of the characters in your books.
2: In the last two books I've written, maybe graphic novels is too grand a word. Perhaps cartoon stories would be better. They're a combination of words, typeset copy, and panels with speech bubbles and drawings. And they are about a little boy called Sam Little. Who, he's a bit of a compulsive liar, and he's very much based on me as a little boy. And children seem to respond to this. I really have enjoyed going to schools and reading to children based on these books. I don't tell lies anymore, you'll be pleased to know, but I am quite a kid at heart, and I still play video games and things like that. And so I get some of that stuff into my books in a slightly surreptitious way. But it was really interesting going into schools and being able to read bits of the books and ask the kids, you know, whether they watch, say, Adventure Time on Cartoon Network or play a particular video game.
0: My boys have read some of your books and they have been in fits of giggles, so I can definitely recommend them. Finally, before we go, any tips for children and parents who are just about to start reading their very first chapter books – What should they look out for and can you recommend any?
2: That's another very good question. I think my great love is graphic novels and comic stories. What I found really interesting as a parent reading with my children is that those things are actually quite difficult to read with a child. And so you might think that they skew a bit younger. I think books with lots of integrated pictures, some of which don't have any words at all, actually are better for slightly older children, children who are confident about reading alone. That makes them extra brilliant for kids who aren't confident about reading because there aren't necessarily that many words, but you can engross yourself in a story that you can do that on your own without a parent.
0: We've been reading some of the books from Sean Tan lately. Are there any other authors that you might recommend?
2: I was going to say Sean Tan. The Arrival is that one you've read. I mean, that's just a fantastic book. A couple of the other books that I've really enjoyed recently that wouldn't be really graphic novels, but um, I would really recommend are the Timmy Failure series by Stéphane Pastis. He is, like me, a cartoonist for his day job. And Timmy is a brilliant character and one I immediately um, related to because he imagines himself to be director of a private detective agency and that's just what I wanted to be when I was a kid.
0: Don't forget we will put all these book lists and recommendations on the Spellbound website. And The Sun's just come out and I just wanted to say, Joe, thank you so much for your time.
2: You're welcome. Thanks very much, Melissa. It's been great talking to you.
0: So I'm here today with John McClay. Welcome to the studio, John. Thank you. Now, you're a global international scout for children's books. That sounds like a very fancy title. Can you tell me exactly what that means and what you do?
3: Yeah, sure. It's a bit like I'm a a, a talent spotter for kids' books. So I work for lots of international children's book publishers, uh, one in each distinct language territory, and I help them to find really good children's books for them to translate into their own languages
0: what John doesn't know about children's books quite frankly isn't worth knowing so very kindly he's come in here for this episode to chat to us a little bit about the chapter books aged around six plus so how important is this stage for young readers and can you talk us through some of the things we should be thinking about when our children are moving from those beautiful picture books onto more dense chapter books I think
3: it's a really dynamic sector of the industry at the moment, actually, because it's a relatively new category. Previously, readers of picture books went straight into early readers, which weren't really that well illustrated. They were mostly black and white. And there wasn't really a bestseller in that territory until you got to sort of middle grade books. It was just another sort of small area of publishing that was a stepping stone in terms of reading. But what's happened since the advent of books like Wimpy Kid by Jeff Kinney and Captain Underpants by Dave Pilkey, you've got stars in that sector now. You've got really big best-selling books that are in that area. And that's led to a growth in a lot of different... Uh, particularly author illustrators you know authors who are illustrating their own texts writing some absolutely fantastic books in this area and I think it's a really well-established sector now as a bridge between picture books and middle grade there's some really exciting publishing happening in that area now.
0: So you mentioned Captain Underpants one of our favourites and we talked recently about Dogman are there any other titles uh, within that range that you would recommend?
3: Uh, Yes, there are some amazing author illustrators at the moment Uh, Sophie Henn is doing some great work She's got a fantastic series called Bad Nana Which is very funny Uh, Rob Biddulph is another He's the World Book Day illustrator at the moment He's got a great series coming up with Macmillan next year Which I've read, which is really exciting Philip Reeve and Sarah McIntyre Kevin the Flying Pony. Uh, Shifty McGifty, Steve Lenton and Tracy Corduroy some of these books are in colour some of them are two colour some of them are black and white but mostly the really exciting stuff has got a bit of colour it's the one colour books that are really interesting
0: There's so much around at the moment and for parents and carers who are starting to choose chapter books for the very first time where are the best places to find them?
3: Well, bookshops, obviously, but they tend to be put in the early reader category, so the sort of five to sevens, and there are shelves of them, but they're, they're often quite thin, so it's sometimes difficult to find the really good ones, but when you get a nice chunky series of something where there's several titles, you can find them on the shelves. The Orion early readers series is a particularly good set of, set of books. But all the books and authors I've just mentioned, they're all there. You do have to rummage around a bit to find them, but they are there. And it is a really, as I say, growing sector.
0: Are there any publishers that we should be looking out for that specialise in these books?
3: I think everyone's trying their hand at it. I think Oxford University Press are very good at it. Scholastic, HarperCollins, Egmont. Those are the really good ones at the moment that are doing a lot of interesting work in, in that area. Puffin as
0: well. We were talking earlier on actually outside of the studio about this being the golden age of children's books and how many titles are available to us. What are your thoughts about that currently?
3: It is a golden age of children's books, that's for sure. There are some really remarkable authors and illustrators at work. Some of them are doubly talented because they illustrate their own books. But what you've also got is all of the great illustrators of the last sort of 50 years are mostly still around and still doing books. We did lose a couple of very well-known illustrators in 2019, Judith Carr and John Burningham. but you've got people like Raymond Briggs, Alan Alberg, Shirley Hughes. They're still actually at work, Quentin Blake, and they're still illustrating, they're still writing. So you've got The Grits working alongside the the new and upcoming illustrators. So it really is... uh, if you like books and go into a bookshop, you should be able to find a book that suits you. There's no excuse for not coming away with a book.
0: When do you think we entered this golden age? Is there any defining moment in publishing that says, this is it, this is the great age of children's literature? Can you pinpoint it?
3: If I was to try and pinpoint, I'd probably say it was about Harry Potter book three. Right. About 20 years ago. When that hit the big time, I think a lot of people's attentions were focused on the children's book world and people started to see the quality of writing that was at work with the authors who were specialising in children's books and also the illustration, the artists that were working in, in this area are just very, very good and they're just as good as any other illustrator working on adult books, and they're finally getting the attention. It's taken 20 years, but they're finally getting the attention they deserve. A lot of people have gone into children's books as a result of the viability of that sector as a potential career and living for them. Adult authors have written children's books. You've got the phenomenon of celebrity children's authors as well. But you've just still got a lot of people who have been writing children's books in this area for a long time, still producing great work like Anne Fine, like Michael Morpurgo. They've been around a long time and they're still doing amazing books.
0: Would you have any advice for any of our listeners who are thinking of getting into writing or illustrating children's books?
3: Yes, I would. They need to keep writing. They need to keep reading. They need to read absolutely everything that's out there. They need to really absorb what's going on out there in terms of who's writing what and who's publishing what and the sort of stories that are that are popular Uh, yeah so keep writing it's not a bad idea to go on one of the writing courses if you can there's some very good ones at a lot of the sort of major universities have great creative writing courses I think yeah keep reading keep writing and go on a writing course if you can
0: and finally any tips before we go on how to support those children moving on to these chapter books
3: Interestingly, I work a lot with my local primary school in keeping their school library up to date with books, and I think that's really important. You've got to have books accessible to children that are new, that are clean, that are not battered, that are not faded, that have got really accessible design pages, good stories. I think the best thing you can do is have, you know, really well-stocked school libraries regular library visits, regular bookshop visits, just to make sure that they get a chance to discover the books that they want to find. What we do at home is just have a lot of books on the shelf and hope that our son finds them rather than being... Too prescriptive, and I do leave things occasionally lying about on the bed that I think he might like, and he he pretends that he's found them himself. But generally, just having a lot of books around or having access to a lot of the more recently published books, I think is a is a good thing.
0: John, thank you so much for taking time out of your very busy day to come and join us today. Pleasure. Thank you for listening to Spellbound. We're thrilled that you took the time to join us. If you'd like to share book recommendations with us, or if you have a question on any of the books we mentioned in this episode, do get in touch. We'd really love to hear from you. Head to spellboundkids.com for more details and links to everything we've talked about in this episode, as well as information on how to find us on social media. Please follow us and let us know your favourite books and what topics you'd like to hear discussed in future episodes. We have lots to share, so be sure to subscribe on your favourite podcast app. Thank you to everyone who made this happen. To Jane Carter, John McClay, and Joe Berger. Music by Wilfred DeSalis and Daniel White. Engineering by Simon Hill. Website design by Lee Carr and animations by Leo Tom. And the beautiful artwork by Pippa Pixley. This was a Spellbound production brought to life by Melissa Tom and Ewan McAleese. Join us next time to dig deeper into some of the best children's books around. See you then.